Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us, that we would hear your word, and that it would bear fruit in our lives, all to your honor and glory. So we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. This is one of those verses that I believe every Christian should know by heart. So last week, Pastor Drew encouraged us to memorize all of Romans chapter 8 as a part of our series. I have begun that process. I have not completed that task, but I've begun that process myself. And of all the verses in chapter 8, this is one that I believe absolutely every Christian should know by heart. I think this should be at the top or pretty close to the top of every child's memorization list. I have never seen it used as a child's memory verse, but it should be. Romans 8, 17. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Provided we suffer with him with him. Far from following Jesus being protection from suffering, following Jesus is actually a reason for suffering. And we must never think that being a Christian is a way to a comfortable life. And we must always resist the thinking that Christians are supposed to be comfy and wealthy and safe. Yes, following Jesus is the best way to live. And yes, following Jesus is what each and every person was made for. And yes, following Jesus is the only life in which true joy is found. But that doesn't mean it is going to be easy or comfortable. Nor should it be. And if it is easy and comfortable all the time, then we're probably not following Jesus fully as we should. Now we've seen throughout the book of Romans up to this point that all people are guilty before God, but God has acted. God has intervened. God has rescued us through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And by becoming one of us in Jesus, he has set us free from the enslaving power of sin and death. And yet, as we all know, we continue to experience the reality that this world is not yet as it should be, nor as it will be. And Paul tells us here that this world is groaning for complete redemption, groaning for God to complete His work of putting the world to rights. And in that place of groaning and longing and in-between time, we will, in fact, as Christians, suffer for the sake of others, and for the sake of Christ. We will suffer as Christians, as we live Christ-centered lives in this fallen world. And Christian suffering is not, as we'll see, a sign that we're doing something wrong, but actually something a sign that we're doing something right. Jesus suffered for us and for the world, and as those who are united to him in faith, we should expect to suffer with him in the midst of this fallen world that hates him. And when that happens, we hold our heads up high, knowing that our Savior suffers with us and we with him. 
So today I want us to, to take a moment to look at this idea, this concept of Christian suffering in the midst of our fallen world as we see here in Romans chapter 8. And so very briefly, each one is very brief, but I'm going to give you three aspects of this suffering for and with Christ that we see in this passage. And so the first one is this. Suffering, Christian suffering, unites us with Jesus. So verse 17 again. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Provided we suffer with him. A life of constant ease and comfort is not the life of Jesus. And in fact, I want you to hear me very clearly. In so many ways, the American dream is not the life of following Jesus. The way of Jesus is facing head-on the fallenness and brokenness and evil rulers of this world and even dying at their hands. Dying at their hands for the sake of others. Standing with the suffering. Standing against the powerful. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross. And Christians should expect that in following Him, we will have cross-like experiences in our own lives as well. It's actually a major part of why the church tends to grow the most under persecution. Because in those times, Christians are forced to walk in the way of the cross, and they find it to be the way of life and grace. That kind of suffering with Jesus unites us to Jesus. So as one writer put it, the stinging reality of Christian suffering is our reminder that we have, in fact, been united with Jesus. When we as Christians suffer for doing right, when we suffer because we stand against injustice, when we suffer for the sake of someone else, then we are reminded that we are truly united with Jesus who does that for us. Christian suffering Suffering with Jesus unites us to him because he suffered for us. Christian suffering joins us with our Lord who suffered for us. But second, it doesn't stop there. Suffering, our suffering in this life, points us to glory. It orients us and fixes our eyes and our hearts on the glory that is to come. So verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing. Or to use the J.B. Phillips translation, creation is standing on tiptoe for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so this suffering that we experience in this world, the fact that the created world is not as it should be. But as we know, bodies fall apart. Coronaviruses ravage the planet. Children make bad decisions and parents cry out in pain over them. Police officers kneel on victims' necks and rioters mark police for death. 
And as we see this taking place in our world, we groan, longing for God to intervene and put things right once and for all. And he uses the image of a woman in childbirth groaning in expectation for what is to come. So I've been in the rooms when my sons were born, when my wife delivered large Guernsey boys in all-natural births, and I've heard the groans of, get him out of me, I can't take this anymore, as she hung on for the last and hardest And that's the image that Paul uses here of the whole created world longing and groaning and waiting for the glory of God, longing for God to put things right. And so when we see in our world such pain and unrest, and when we face the fears and anxieties of our times, and when we do that as Christians in light of eternity, it can actually point us to the glory of Christ that is coming when we long for Him to come and put things right, and we long for His glory to be revealed, and all this mess to get fixed and healed. And this suffering and pain of this world, when we go through it well as Christians, points us to the glory of God that is coming in Christ. Our suffering can point us to His glory. And third... Our suffering as Christians can actually bring us to glory. Suffering points us to glory. It sort of orients us towards what is to come. But it is also a tool that God uses to actually bring us to his glory. Verse 17, once again, we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Our suffering with Jesus is a tool that he uses to bring us to glory with him. As we saw in chapter 6, we are, we are buried with Jesus in his death through baptism, that we may also be raised with him to newness of life. God's gracious gift of allowing us to walk through suffering with him is a tool that he uses to lead us to glory with him. Christian suffering in this broken and fallen world is a tool that God can redeem and use to transform us and conform us into the image of Jesus. We saw this back in chapter 5 where Paul writes, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and this hope does not disappoint Because we know that God has poured out his love for us and given his Holy Spirit to us. We rejoice even in the midst of our sufferings because that is a tool that God can use to transform us. Not because suffering is good, but because it is a tool that God redeems and uses for his glory. When we learn to go through that and even to suffer well, to suffer with Jesus for what is right, God shapes us and molds us into the image of Christ. So a man once said to me in a time of his great pain and fear, and yet also of tenacious faith in Jesus, he said to me, speaking of his own experience, he said, I've always wanted 
a faith worth dying for. The challenge is that in order to develop that faith, you have to face death from time to time. To develop the kind of endurance and the faith and the character of a mature follower of Jesus, we have to walk through the anxiety and the pain and the suffering. And only then, through the power of God, will we be shaped by and led into His glory. So friends, as strange as it is to say, let us learn to suffer well. As Christians joined with Jesus, who are called to suffer in this life as our Lord did, suffering for doing what is right in a world that hates it, suffering for standing up for the oppressed, standing against evil powers in our world, but also recognizing that we suffer for all sorts of other reasons that aren't unique to Christians. Terrifying medical diagnosis broken relationships, uncontrolled viruses. And as our hearts groan in the midst of this broken world, let that pain and suffering point us to Jesus, pointing to His coming glory, pointing us to the fact that this world is not yet as it will be when Jesus returns and we take our place with Him as beloved sons and daughters of God the Father. And while we groan in the anticipation of what is coming, we know that this Christian suffering unites us to Jesus. That it points to the glory of Jesus yet to come. And that in the midst of all of that, it is a tool that God can redeem and use to bring us to his glory. So we say, as it says at the end of Revelation, come Lord Jesus. Amen.